Welcome to the Finding Strong podcast with your host, Pat Gates and Mark Bottenhorn. We're coming to you from the heart of the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. We are on a mission to push the limits and find strength through endurance, mindset, and fitness. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, along here with Mark Bottenhorn. What's going on? It's going good, going good out here in Michigan today. Uh, had a nice little golf outing. Uh, met up with some old college buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit some good shots. Hit some not good shots. Yeah. Yeah, but you know. One of your buddies was recently inducted into the Concordia Hall of Fame, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Indeed, indeed. Uh, my old roommate, he... Uh, He's going into the Concordia University Ann Arbor Hall of Fame for scoring uh, six goals in one game. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the stars aligned, and sometimes you score you score six goals in a game. That's the glory days. Yeah. The glory days. So uh, how's this week been for you, Mark? Uh, I've had trouble recovering after the Murph. My legs have been <laughs> sore. My yeah. lats are still sore. Uh, I mean, that, that beat me up. The second workout we did after that, which we probably shouldn't have done in retrospect, that, that beat me up. Yeah, I was my legs were a lot more sore than I than I thought. Um, sitting here thinking, oh, the squash is the easiest thing, but I think my legs were the sorest. Yeah, you get those little chicken, little bow-legged chicken legs. <laughs> they might so, be bow-legged, but they ain't chicken legs. Well, they're 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 evolving, but they're they're, they're a little chicken. Well, I'm all about growth, Mark. I'm that's, all about growth. See, that's the moral of the story and the purpose of the podcast. So, what other uh, what other training have you done, have you done this week? Uh, this is kind of a down week for me, so I'm going to run 75 percent of my normal mileage or so. Um, I still just recovering. That's been the hardest part. I did a workout yesterday with just a warm up, one k on, one k off. Like one k's were like at like 330 or 325 per kilometer, so like 525 to 540 pace. Nothing much. I mean, it was just hard to get my legs going this week. So I'm hoping to have a rest day because I haven't rested since uh, May 6th. So, taking a day off might refresh your legs and give me a little more pop back in the legs. Yeah, I would, I would think so. I've been, I've been trying to do, uh, you know, hitting the sauna a little bit more this week and then doing, uh, rolling out a little bit more because it's, it's been super tight. Yeah, those things help for recovery. I think those are a good idea. I've been kind of neglecting recovery a little bit. I worked out a lot this week, but yeah. not so much on the recovery, and I probably should have paid more attention yeah. to that. Got to buffer out, bud. That's right. Um, we're gonna just, uh, dive into um, a little bit of our backgrounds. This is something we've been talking about for a while, kind of like deep diving into like uh, from our childhood till now, kind of just going over like what led us here. Yeah, I think I think a lot of things personally in my childhood uh, led me to be like to achieve things and, and do really well. But at the same time, it also led to some destructive behaviors and kind of looking into that and it might be interesting. Yeah, so uh, Mark, you can start us off. Like what about... What, what started in your childhood that got you going? I don't know. I think it was my dad. Uh, my dad was a really, really good baseball player. Um, played in college. And then um, just kind of, I don't know if he didn't really push me into sports. I remember being like four years old and watching U of M play, like football and stuff. I just always have loved sports, like since the beginning of time mm-hmm. for me, since as long as I can remember. And, um, and that's a hard life, let me tell you, to be a University of Michigan fan. Because, I just, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to dive into that right now. That's a whole different topic. But um, I think 
you know, growing up in, in my father was probably the biggest inspiration in all that stuff. Um, and he was kind of hard on me in some senses, uh, when it came to sports and at the time I kind of hated it. Now I kind of look back and think like, you know, he's given me a lot of, um, positive things that taught me how to be a leader in my life. And I think that's been the most beneficial thing in my life, honestly. Um, but it, it wasn't without any issues. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially like my, my dad was like a high school basketball coach. So growing up playing basketball at like a very young age, like, and then go like expecting to play like in high school and then try like maybe going to college. Cause that's like the expectation. That's like a lot of weight to put on your shoulders. Yeah. Especially when your dad plays, you know, college baseball, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it can be a lot of pressure, I think, but at the same time, um, it was a good atmosphere to be to be good at sports, if that matters. I suppose. Yeah. So, um, like, what, like, what kind? Did you play just baseball growing up, or did you play anything else? No, I would. Uh, I, I routinely played baseball. Um, you know, like I was always like the team captain, leadoff hitter, uh, center fielder. Um, I played football. I played basketball. Um, pretty much all my life. Uh, I would play like weird other sports too, like floor hockey, um, that type of stuff. So I was always going from one sport to another. I remember my whole summer childhoods were just like completely sports yeah. while my friends were out playing and I used to hate that. And, and sometimes I still, I still wish I had kind of a more normal childhood. You know, I'd go straight from school to football practice, then straight to whatever it was, it was coaching or something like that. Yeah. I remember, I remember being a kid and like playing like shortstop. And uh, I saw people like like going by skateboarding. I'm like, I know my friends are out there skateboarding right now. I'm like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, I I think that um, I think that at times I did too much, for sure. Yeah, and that's like that's just something that you know maybe our parents kind of just push us into is just to get us like involved in team sports, which is I think like one of the most beneficial things um, you can do for your for your kids. Yeah, without but, a doubt. But um, I think. I just didn't like appreciate what like I was actually doing at the time. You know, I was just like focused on like, oh, my friends, oh, my friends are, are out skateboarding. I want to do that, but I wasn't really focusing on developing as like a baseball player or you know learning the the, the practice of baseball or whatever. Yeah, it, I I understand it can be completely it can be hard. So I mean, basically, I pretty much played those all through, and I and I showed like positive signs of leadership. I was pretty much the captain of any team I've ever been on in my life. Um, you know, I was like a pretty uh, decent student, uh, leading up to high school and mm -hmm. I was just struggling with anxiety and, uh, things like that. Even probably before I knew I was struggling with it and I, and I crashed hard Yeah, you know, playing all these sports. What, uh, what, what do you think like about when you were struggling with anxiety at like such a young age? I don't know. I thought it was weird. I didn't really know what was, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I would go, I would I begged my dad to buy me a gym membership uh, when I was like 12, but I couldn't go to the gym without an adult there. Um, so I would end up working out with like him and his friends whenever they'd rarely work out. Um, and then he actually got me a gym membership when I was 16, which I think was the first time I didn't need an adult to go. Um, and I remember I'd just work out before school. I'd go to school and go to soccer or basketball after school. And then I'd go to the gym again. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was training a lot. And, um, I thought that, you know, that was like completely normal because that's what, like, that was like what was comforting to me. Um, but 
I didn't realize what, you know, what I was struggling with and I didn't realize I was using like exercise and things like that to cope with it. Um, so I got like, I got really fit, like really strong, you know, stuff like that. I gained a yeah. whole bunch of muscle. Um, but I didn't under, like realize the underlying symptoms that were kind of harboring. So, was harboring. yeah. So what, so what kind of made that, like, what kind of, what do you think caused this like start of the anxiety at such a young age? Um, I think that I've always put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. And I think sometimes my own, uh, expectations are too high and unrealistic and it causes me to, um, crush under the weight of those expectations. Um, and I think, you know, sometime around, I was 17 I was graduating high school and it was like, I don't know, my high school soccer career was over. I knew I was going to play in college, but. Um, everything just felt really weird and I wasn't playing basketball that year. I just decided not to, so I could play soccer and, uh, just kind of like year round. And I, uh, I just remember feeling like depressed and unmotivated when I was, when I was 17, it was like, I remember reading November, it always happens in November. And I would, and I was like, what is wrong with me? And I think for the first time I realized I was like dealing with depression, stuff like that. Um, and I would tell people after a long time, I, I would tell people and they would just say, oh, like just cheer up. Like you have your whole life ahead of you. You have all this. Yeah. And, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I don't think they knew how to cope with it. So that led, you know, to me like kind of hiding those feelings. And I was really struggling with anxiety and depression. My, my kind of seat, my senior year, uh, it always gets worse in the late fall. I think it's dark and it's, yeah, it's gloomy. Yeah. Yeah. I always still to this day, I hate that feeling of like when it gets dark outside, I hate it. I hate it because I feel like the day's over. Things start closing. That's one thing I hate about living in Colorado. I think close so early. Like, unless yeah. you're going to stay open late. So I felt like, like right, yeah, I mean, fucking isolated. Like, all, all I can do is just sit in my house. Yeah, know? I mean, 1 a, it'd be like 1 a.m. Be like, oh, sh- shit, I'm bored. Let's go to Meyer. Yeah, you can't you can't do any of these things. Um, but, yeah, so I think that was the first time I realized that there was something seriously wrong and I wasn't just weird. Mm-hmm. So what happened, like, after that? Did you, st- like, slowly start to get worse or did you, like, kind of do things that made you feel better? Um, I couldn't find things to really make me feel better. And I felt pretty much unmotivated if I wasn't playing soccer. Um, and I just kind of dismissed the, the, those feelings like everybody else did and try to hide them. And I wasn't very upfront about them. And then, uh, during the college soccer season, I had a little bit of a scare and that's when it put me into, uh, just this string of like meltdowns that pretty much ended up like locking me into my house. Yeah. So what, what happened? What happened there? Well, I, um, it initially started, um, because I had this, uh, issue in my groin. I, I thought I, I like partially tore a muscle or whatever it was. And it was like this, this lump. And I thought that it was like a swollen lymph node because I went on Google. Um, and so I, I went to the doctor and I had to get a, and he was kind of freaked out by it. So I had to get this, uh, it was the day before I went after practice, I had to get this scan and I had practice the next day, but I had no school. And I, and I got this like, um, like an ultrasound and then it didn't give me the results right away. So I stayed up all night, like freaking out. I was like, you know, I have like cancer, like this is it. My life is over. Um, and then I went back to the doctor, freaked out and I skipped practice. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm freaking out. And he called and got the results and they said, Oh, it's just a, it's, it's a, it's like a partial tear and it's nothing that's, that's, that's too crazy. And everything structurally is normal. So it's just going to be out of place like that. It was like scar tissue that healed back that way. 
So I was like, okay. And that led to a chain of events uh, that made me go to the hospital several times, made me go to uh, different doctors, get different tests, procedures. At one point, I was getting a blood test like probably every 10 days or even more frequently than that. I would go to the emergency room, uh, things like that, all down the road from that. And that was the first thing that started it. The next major event um, was I was well, in, in the off season, I would run with the track team, not compete, but just train with them and practice. And I remember I was pushing myself really hard because I thought I was actually going to race. And um, I was trying to lose a lot of weight at the same time. So I was uh, I was not eating a lot. I was eating like only fruits and vegetables because I wanted to look like a I wanted to look like the runners on the track team. Like they were all great runners. It was a nationally ranked program. You know, and I was running with him, and I felt like this, like, bull. Yeah, he was a beefy boy trying, yeah. to, trying to jump in with these with these lads. Yeah, burly, burly German boy. Uh, so I um, – anyway, I, I did something I should have done, and I, and I ate fruits and vegetables trying to lose weight. Um, and I did lose weight, but I also caused some issues. And after a really hard training session, uh, I went home, and I peed blood. And, like, bright, like, crimson color blood in the toilet. And it freaked me the hell out. And um, I convinced myself subsequently that I had bladder cancer or different things like this. Um, what really happened was it was actually non-related to any of that. So it was just coincidental. Um, but I was dizzy. I had all these things leading up to it. So I thought like for sure. Right. But I was dizzy because I wasn't eating. And that was because of like chafing. Somehow it, it did something to make me pee blood. I'm not sure exactly still to this day how it happened. I just hope it doesn't happen again because I'll probably get freaked out again. Um, uh, yeah, I think I'll freak anyone out. Uh, so I so I dropped out of school <clears throat> and underwent just numerous tests and, and things like that. And I uh, only like a couple years later started to I, – I stopped playing soccer. I started competing as a national qualified physique competitor, kind of bodybuilding type thing, but with the board shorts. Um, and – I had no health scares for a while, and I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't. I was getting really anxious, and I didn't know so why. So let me let me stop you. What what kind? What's what's the time frame for like for some for some of this stuff? Yeah. So so this was effectively. This is what I did. I I left high school to play soccer, college soccer. This was 2008. Summer of two or summer and fall of two thousand eight. I left to uh, to play soccer. I quit playing soccer before the season started. Um, and I dropped out of school and didn't tell my parents. I said, you know what, like, I'm going to love playing soccer forever, but school's not for me. So I dropped out of school and I didn't tell my parents and I would tell them I was going to school and I was playing poker. So I was like playing poker professionally and I was making it two, 200 and $220 a day, uh, doing that. So I told them that I just had a part-time job and they're like, how are you balancing that with soccer and everything like that? And it, it took them like three months to figure out I wasn't playing soccer. Um, uh, but I uh, didn't, they didn't know until like two months ago that I actually dropped out of school then. Uh, so I didn't tell them and I was living like as a professional poker player. So it's been almost about 10 years since they <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, were, they were shocked when I told them. Um, no, they so, can't be mad now, fucking 10 years ago. No, they're not, they're not mad because everything worked out yeah. really well, I'd say. But I, um, you know, while I was playing poker, I was, I was starting to really like I've always loved fitness like I said and I always loved working out and I stopped playing soccer and I would just start working out a lot and why did you stop playing soccer uh I just want to try something new and I felt resentful at soccer I did, I was like I was a 18 year old kid 17 18 year old kid and I was mad at the world and like I thought about what do I spend my time doing mostly and I spend my time mostly playing soccer and doing homework 
So I hated those two things because I didn't feel right and I didn't know why I didn't feel right. So I just hated those two things. And so then I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a break from soccer. I'm not doing any more homework for the rest of my life. And I'm just going to make it just doing whatever I want to do. So I got my personal trainer certification shortly out of high school. Um, and I started as a personal trainer in 2008. Um, so when I was done playing poker, I was just personal training and I was working out to compete in bodybuilding. And at the gym, I met um, an athlete who who was the captain at at OCC. So he said, I heard you used to be a good soccer player. We were talking. He'd come in a lot. And he basically recruited me to go play there. I said, you know what? Fuck it. Like you and Ian and everybody were still playing soccer. And I was like, I miss it. So I lost all that weight and muscle I gained and like 20 pounds of muscle. And I, I lost like 15 pounds of it. Um, went in, uh, played soccer, had, and that's where those health issues uh, started to creep in. So about 2009, 2010? 2009, 2010. And then um, after I was done playing soccer in college, um, I went back to bodybuilding because it was like one of my first loves. And I was competing as a physique competitor and my anxiety spiral was spiraling out of control again from the stress and I, and I didn't, I couldn't pick it up then. I'm not like now I'm really good at picking it up and getting to the root of what the cause is. Yeah. But do you think, you think like during like those bodybuilding days that your anxiety stemmed from like all this pressure of like trying to like be professional bodybuilder or like your diet or like the, the regimen? Well, I never was going to be a professional bodybuilder. I never intended to because I just wanted to be a fitness professional because I love fitness. I don't really love the notion of like, working really hard uh, to get on stage in front of like hundreds of people and pay a whole bunch of money to do it and then just judges just tear you apart and tell you why you're not good enough. I don't really like that and um, also I don't want to take anabolic steroids because I'm really health conscious. We're doing my health long term. Uh, I want to be around to enjoy yeah. things. Um, so it wasn't from the pressure of that. It was just I didn't know how to deal with stress. I didn't know like what insomnia was. I didn't know why I couldn't sleep. I didn't know all these things and it's hard to make it as a personal trainer. Um, it, it took me years to break through. Um, yeah. and so that time I was probably a little bit worried about money, uh, financially. And I was starting a supplement company at the same time, which went on to be pretty successful, but it caused a lot of stress. So I didn't realize that the stress was the cause of my anxiety and it would poke out in these health, health related things. Like that's how it would like kind of rear its ugly head, uh, so to speak. So I didn't realize that. And now that I know that it makes it much better to cope with. Yeah. Uh, but what did happen is uh, my eye was twitching for like a week straight. I couldn't sleep. And I didn't know that the not being able to sleep was compounding the eye twitching. And it was driving me crazy. So I did my best to restrain from Googling it. But then I just I had to. And I narrowed it down to two things that I thought I had. Um, I thought I could have had a, a brain tumor, on the, uh, some kind of... Uh, blastoma, glioblastoma or something, like on the stone of my brain, there's a thousand cases of it diagnosed every year in the U.S. Um, or, and it doesn't really affect people typically that are younger, or ALS, which also doesn't affect people typically that are younger. There's about 5,000 cases of that Lou Gehrig's disease every year. So I was convinced that I had one of those two rare diseases uh, solely based on my right eye twitching. And I thought best case scenario, I have like multiple sclerosis or something. Uh, so I went and freaked out and like after nobody could figure out what it was and like three emergency room trips one of the doctors finally said I you don't have a brain tumor but I will do this and they did a CAT scan and they're like everything's fine with the brain tumor like you need to go back to the gym because Brittany and I were telling the doctor how much I like working out 
And he's like, go to the gym right now, right after this and work out. Like, you're fine. You don't have a brain tumor. And um, once I, you know, that was like a turning point to me. Like, man, I have an issue. Like, I'm telling all these professionals that something's wrong with me. You know, and they're all reassuring me that I'm not, and the reassurance wasn't good enough, and nothing was good enough, and like, no matter how many times people reassured me, I didn't think I was good enough. So all that kind of crashed, and it led to like a three-month depression. But I, but I rose out of that and built something really meaningful. Yeah. How did you uh, rise out of that? Well, for my house, like I didn't leave my house for like hours at a time. Like I wouldn't leave my room at all, and I wouldn't even eat for like 24 hours. And this was like. I mean, I say three months, but I've dealt with anxiety and depression for all, for years at this point. But that three months was especially bad. And this is like, really like, like a low point. Yeah, I was watching like my training partner went on to be an IFBB pro uh, physique competitor. Uh, he, he's like, he's great and he's doing such a great job now. And, you know, like you guys were, you guys were excelling, playing soccer. Um, and I just sold the supplement company that I was building, uh, which was a really good, investment but i had nothing and i was just like in this like abyss and um i bounced out of it because i just kind of i found meaning in, in playing soccer and uh kind of running but the the issue was is that i was 202 pounds at five foot eight and i was probably about 12 percent 11 percent body fat at 202 pounds so i was i was very heavy i had a lot yeah. of muscle really boy yeah yeah uh, really muscular, so I knew that I was going to have to lose 30 pounds. So I gained 20 pounds, lost 15. Gained f almost 50 pounds, you know, and then yeah. I lost 40 uh, to get to where I was. And, you know, I finally kind of hit my stride. Uh, I'd been coaching runners and working with triathletes for a long time. At that point, since basically 2009, I would program their strength training. So everything I did was really uh, endurance-focused. And I love running, and I always did for fun, and it only made sense. So, Just kind of jump right into it. Yeah, that's correct. And and I went into it kind of full steam, and that's that takes us to the point where we were living together. Yeah. And we were uh, we were working at a soccer store. Yeah, we would go. Yep, go to the soccer store like every day, uh, and then like work out and play soccer after or or, practice. You yep. Know, and just repeat, and you know we. That was uh, that's where I started at that point, kind of rediscovering everything you know like we go to trips we go up north everything like that everything started to feel normal again yeah and that was a that was a that was the turning point for me i think and all of it i think comes back down to what you mentioned that unrealistic pressure um and i can look back at 29 years old and say all these things that i would have done differently but it's a lot harder when you're in the situation and hindsight's always 2020 always 2020 i mean you gotta you can't you can't look back as anything as like a regret or like a disappointment because it led you to here. Yeah. Like you you wouldn't you wouldn't be the person you are today if you didn't go through those struggles and anxiety that that three month depression slump or going to all these doctors because it kind of like shaped into your your mindset of how you are now. Yeah, and I think so, and it's made me. I think the one thing about dealing with anxiety and depression is it's it's given me this sense of empathy that I never had prior to it. Yep. Um, that I can identify with so many people who have struggled with those things, but maybe people that struggle with other things like, I don't know, drug addiction, like health issues, things like that. Like, I, I see that people have these uh, barriers to overcoming these challenges in their life. And it's something I, I wasn't always clear to you before, you know. Oh, for sure. We can't just say, you know, just uh, just get over it or, you know, 
this what like you can't just give those generic answers or just like oh be uh, everything will be fine because like, in that moment like the way you're thinking like no the fuck it ain't yeah and I mean I I always think like who am I to tell somebody else that they're gonna be fine because their situation is entirely different than mine right and that's just masking what's going on rather than than talking about it but I don't blame the people around me because they didn't know how to properly support that right so do um so what kind of like measures do you take with uh, yourself now. Uh, now I, I am on a mission to try to be kinder to myself and I still haven't kind of hit the uh, finish line with that. I'm still working on it, but it's a, the big thing for me is managing my stress and getting ahead of what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so now the health things don't, they don't even come into question for me anymore. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's really strange. I mean, I don't, those things don't, uh, so, so that's good, but I, I just really work on, like, I just try to work on myself and, and, and see how I can improve uh, in those areas. But the biggest thing is becoming more aware, like aware of when mm -hmm. I'm getting stressed, aware of when I'm getting tense, when I'm not sleeping, and then trying to justify that or uh, rectify that by figuring out what I can do, like, right. what I can do to alleviate the root cause of the problem. Um, how do you... How do you kind of like help like other people? Because I know uh, with your website and blog and everything, like, or do you do anything else besides that? Um, so I have, I don't know, probably, I don't know, over a thousand people each year that reach out to me, well over a thousand. Um, and I like to think that I help them. So I'm not a therapist, so I don't attempt to do anything like that. Um, but I'm always there to talk to people and I think that yeah. helps and I understand. So I think that helps. Um, and a lot of my clients, uh, who are athletes have probably gravitated towards me because a lot of them have had similar issues. Um, or at least some of them have, and they tell me that, and just knowing that like, they know that I've gone through it and, and they know that they can, they can ask me like what I did and things like that. And I think that helps. So it, you know, I went from this three month period where I isolated myself and didn't care if I was alive or dead. Honestly, like I think I always, I always, I said that in that three month period, I didn't say it out loud to anybody, but I probably would have killed myself. I had enough courage to, the thing is that's not courage. And I, I looking back on that now, I realize that and I'm happy I'm here. Um, me too, bro. Thank you. But I would have, I don't know, I'm a little off, off topic now, I think, but I, I think that the, I would have never imagined that I'd be in this place where I'm at now, like in this position with this platform to help so many people and to, outside of running results and soccer accolades. You know, yeah. There's a man outside with a, with a blower of some type. <laughs> so the um, outside of all of that, like what I'm doing, I feel like really makes a difference. And that's something I'm proud of. So at the end Absolutely. of the day, if I don't accomplish everything that I set out to, I know that even if I've theoretically impacted one person, then that's enough. But I mean, there's, there's hundreds of people that I've personally spoke with that uh, have got that. So I never would imagine my life turned out the way that it did or our lives turned out the way it did coming from yeah. relatively um, meager or humble beginnings to, to, to a lot of, you know, I think we both have a great deal of career success. Um, yeah. A lot of success, a life personal, success, personal yeah. success. And I, and yeah, cause I don't, I don't exactly measure success by money. I, no. I measure it by like, if I'm, how happy I am, how happy my friends are around me, yeah. how my relationships are with my, you know, my family. Yeah. And I think that's what and, success is. And those, those things are the most important. And I, I just think about, I mean, <laughs> Like 
where I we grew up in I grew up in like a like a one bedroom house, you know? Like I grew up in a one bedroom house, like that was a block away from Detroit and I would get my ass kicked every day. Like a lot of my friends would, we would get our ass kicked by like these, you know, different, it was a rough area. Um, but I didn't realize it was going to like shape me and all these things. So I'm grateful for every single thing that I've had. And my parents are so successful, but they weren't always, you know, like in terms of financial success, like they worked really hard to be where they're at now. And now they're in a really good place. But, but when I was growing up, they, we, they did what they could, uh, so we could survive. And yeah. Yeah. Cause I've known you, you know, goddamn almost 18 years or whatever. Yeah. So there's like times where I didn't even know like what you were doing. Yeah. You know, there's like times where you kind of like lost touch a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, I mean, that kind of sucked, but I was just, you know, just like, I'm just, I was focused on other things. Yeah. And, uh, and then we set it up back to each other and we got it like, uh, got that apartment and started training together. Yeah. And well, I always knew that we'd be, yeah, we were always friends, but uh, yeah, and but it was like there was like a there was like a, like a it seemed like a couple year period where like didn't really talk. Yeah, and I don't like that was like the time like I felt like you were, you were kind of going through that stuff. Yeah, I was deep in it at that point. Yeah, it wasn't just you; it was a lot of people, uh, and that's like a behavior that I'm trying to get away from is like isolating myself because it doesn't actually make me feel any better. Yeah, that's like the that's like the problem. You know, sometimes when you know we feel like a certain way, we just want to like isolate ourselves and say, like, oh, "I'll just get over this." this little slump, but you know, it's, it's, you have to be open about it and reach out to people and like, Hey, let's do, let's do something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you feel like, like I would always feel like I'm a tremendous burden to people. Um, so when I was like sad or depressed or anxious, I felt like I was even more of a burden. So like, I didn't want to burden them with my stuff. Um, and when you feel lonely and then you intentionally make yourself lonely, it can feel very isolating and you feel like you're alone. And yeah. uh, I didn't realize that was one of the behaviors that was compounding uh, all of these issues. Um, and I think just realizing, you know, that was a, was a good step. That's a good point that you bring up. Yeah. I mean, it was like, and then we started getting, getting the, all the friends together and then we would like work out and stuff. And I think uh, I kind of got you out of, I mean, do you like how, how often do you now still like, do you still have like some of these slumps or, like anxious tendencies. Yeah, I have I have some slumps every now and then, but but overall, I think I'm I'm living my dream overall, um, and so that's that's really comforting. Um, I do still struggle from time to time, but it's nothing. That, it doesn't get out of control like it used to, and it doesn't snowball into this really vicious cycle. Um, and that's because again, I take the, the necessary steps the necessary steps to cut it off. Um, so no, it doesn't get like it used to before. And I feel like now I'm in a, I'm in a really good place to still help people. I still do struggle. Yeah. I probably will struggle. Um, but it's very minor compared to what it was because it was yeah. very bleak at one point. This is great, man. That's great to hear. Yeah. I'm super proud of you for, for everything that you've accomplished. Thank you. I'm proud of you too for all of your, for all of your work. So that's good, man. Yeah, this, uh, that's the goal. Just kind of like uh, That's my goal in, in life is to like, make the people around me happier and, and better. And uh, I feel like that's what's what's happening. Yeah, I think uh, I can definitely say from just being around you, like it, it it pushes me to the next level. I think it's good to have only those people in your circle, as we talk about often. Yeah. Uh, so I am forever grateful uh, for that. But I just think that the biggest thing is, I think what led to this. I just want to say this: what led to to this spiraling out of control is the fact that I didn't talk about it because there's such a stigma around it, um, and because I felt isolated and I felt weird, 
and the people around me didn't have the tools to deal with it at the time. And I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming my own action because I, I take full responsibility because I should have seeked help earlier. I should or sought help earlier. I should say, uh, I should, I should have done more then, and I should have brought it up and I should have been more vocal about it. But now I'm making up for lost time and I'm trying to be as vocal about it as possible. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just just to recognize that those tendencies or those behaviors or the way you're feeling and just reach out to someone, best friend or whoever it is that, you know, just be open about it. Yeah, and I mentioned this in an Instagram post, but that three months of like basically of like hell that I was living in and and it, it was like decades of anxiety and depression, but that three month period where it all peaked really bad and I wouldn't leave and didn't take care of myself. Um, it reminds me of that Winston Churchill quote, if you're going through hell, keep going because I'm really glad that I kept going. Um, and it can seem like really hard when you're in the, when you're in the middle of something that's very hard, whether it's anxiety, depression, um, a medical illness, uh, anything like work troubles, anything. But when those times it's hard, that's when you got to keep going. And, I can hope I can lead by example in that for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a very good spot to end it. Yeah. We've sure. discussed a lot. Yeah. You got, you got some, uh, some nice background on, on Mark and like how, like what we, how we got here today. Yeah. All the success. Yeah. So one thing I'm really excited about three weeks away, we're three weeks away from the, from the start of the yep. last man standing, last man standing camping trip, Holland Western Western trail weekend. One of my uh, clients, Ryan Olson is the race director of the race. So I'm super, super stoked to get up to the West side of the state. It's beautiful there. It's so much fun. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a sweet race. One, uh, one request we had was uh, some watermelon at the aid stations. Yep. He said, we'll do, there will be watermelon in case anybody's wondering. So if that, if you're thinking about signing up for the race and you're like, I don't know if they're going to have watermelon. They're going to have watermelon, so go ahead and sign up. It's on all for sign up. <laughs> Holland Western Trail Weekend. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. As always, you can find me on Instagram at padxgates. And you can find me at Bottenhorn Running, at run underscore strong underscore coaching, and on my website, www.markbottenhorn.com. So going forward, we're going to try to drop new content every Friday. And if you like it, please subscribe, share it, talk about it, anything. But above all else, please rate it on iTunes. We are live on iTunes now, and your rating means the world to us. Until next time, stay strong.